We're going to be covering two chapters today, uh, very generally, um, uh, chapters 3 and 4 of Ruth, uh, mostly focusing on, on Boaz. And so that's what we're going to be covering today. And before we even get into it, let's, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, all of your many blessings. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us and uh, have done. Uh, thank you for what you're going to do. Uh, God, even, even now, uh, Heavenly Father, I feel your spirit in this place, um, saturating this place, as a matter of fact. And um, God, we ask that you have your way. Um, this is your time and this is your house. Um, God, I want to pray for, for those that have been through or going through. Um, 2016 was a, a rough year for a lot of people. And uh, God, we ask for healing. Uh, we ask for restoration. Um, it is your will that we lose from time to time, uh, that we lose things. But it is also your will that we be restored. And so, God, we ask that you fill us back up. Um, David said in Psalms 23, Thou anointest uh, that you restore his soul. Um, he said that of you, God. He had been through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, but God, you're also the one who restores our soul. And so restore our souls, God, from all that we've been through and all that we go through and all that you've taken us through. We thank you. We love you. This time is yours today. Um, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Boaz is now, we're going to focus on Boaz in the last, uh, as we look at the last two chapters of Ruth, we're going to focus on Boaz's activity in those last two chapters. Um, Boaz is known as the kinsman redeemer. Uh, the kinsman redeemer, he's called. Uh, that's a term, uh, a Bible scholar's term. You may not have heard that term, but he's known as the kinsman redeemer. Uh, and some would say, unlike any other Bible character, unlike any other person in the entire Bible, that more than any other person, that Boaz reflects Jesus. And so we're going to talk about that today, uh, especially in the wake of Christmas and uh, this time of year. Uh, I want to focus more than anything on how Boaz does reflect Jesus, how he reflects Jesus. Uh, he, again, is known as the kinsman redeemer, um, and that Jesus, in the same way that Boaz was the kinsman redeemer, uh, Jesus was our kinsman redeemer. And so he is known, uh, some people would say he is the, not in, a, uh, I guess, a way that's, uh, that's disrespectful, but some would say he's the first Jesus, uh, that he modeled Jesus. And there were other people to do it, but most would say that none do it uh, as much as Boaz. And so two things we're going to look at, uh, how he points to Jesus, but how he also sets an example for us. How Boaz in chapters 3 and 4 points to Jesus, but then he also reflects an example for us. And he did that, four things he does that we're going to look at. Number one, he covers for her, okay? Number two, he purchases what is lost. 
Number three, he related to her. And number four, he was not obligated. He didn't have to do it. Um, the first thing we're going to look at is that he covers for her. He covers for her. In the third chapter of Ruth, uh, and Ruth comes to Boaz, and it is a very uh, an interesting scene. He is in the fields, and they're harvesting wheat, uh, in the threshing floor, as a matter of fact. And Ruth comes to him uh, by Naomi's advice. He comes to, Ruth comes to Boaz, and he asks, she asks him to cover her with his skirt. She asked him to cover her with his skirt, okay? And so if we look at that through worldly eyes, we assume that Ruth is trying to uh, make advancements towards Boaz in, in some type of sexual way. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, she was asking him and asking him to cover, and she says to him very plainly, put your skirt over me. Put your skirt over me. That was not a sexual advance. Uh, he, she was not flirting with him. In the Bible days, the skirt uh, or, or the end of the row, specifically the hem, uh, was representative of power. Almost like uh, you see a policeman, a police officer, you see their badge um, or someone in the military. They'll have all that, uh, all those things that I guess right here, left or right, I'm not in the military, I don't know. But you see all these things right here, and you know that when you see those things, someone in the military, what, what, what is that? What do you call that? Ribbons. You see those things, and you know, I don't know much about it, but I do know that for all those things, it is representative of things that they've accomplished or gone through. Okay? And so much in that same way, the hem of the garment, the hem of the robe uh, was representative of that. And so... When she asks him to put, put your skirt over me, what she's really saying is put your strength over me, cover me, help me. It is the same reason that when the woman with the issue of blood who needed healing, she came to Jesus and in, and in thinking that she could just touch the, the hem of his garment, that she would be made whole. The hem was representative of power, power and authority. And so with that in mind, she says to him, put your skirt over me, cover for me, protect me, help me. And so Boaz in, uh, in doing this, number one, we talked about he points to Jesus. He does cover for her. And in doing so, he, he points to Jesus because Jesus covered for us. He covered for us. He covered for us. He, he took his power and authority and placed it over us literally so that the Bible says that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. Literally, the Bible says that we are literally, when you ask God to, to come into your life and he takes over your life, that he puts his skirt over you so that when God looks at us, he's not angry with us. He's not thinking about the things that we've done wrong. When he puts his skirt over us, the Bible says that we are literally draped in the righteousness of God. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see what we've done. He sees, literally sees the righteousness of God. I know that, when, I know that some of you may think that when God looks at you, he sees what you've done. 
He sees the lies that you've told. He sees your, your indiscrepancies and the things you've done wrong, and nothing could be further from the truth. Literally, the reason, the, the very reason he's able to love you every day. The Bible says that, uh, that every, every morning his mercies are renewed to us. And the reason he's able to do that, the reason he's able to love us and love us and love us, no, no matter what we've done, it is because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he doesn't see what you've done. And by that reason, Jesus put his skirt over us and then took on our sin. And it is by that same nature that when God looked at him on the cross, that God was able, the Bible says that God poured his wrath out on him. That God, in seeing Jesus on the cross, he poured his wrath out over him. And the reason that he was able to do that is that when he looked at Jesus, in that moment, he saw our sin. But then when he looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness. And that happened because Jesus covered for us. He covered for us. And so we said that with everything, we're going to look at how Boaz points to Jesus, but then also sets an example for us. And so the example is that we should cover for people. We need to cover. Jesus covered for us. And in passing that love along, we should also cover for others. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and 8 that love covers a multitude of sins. That love covers, love just, love covers a multitude of sins. And so as we love people, we cover for them. We live in a society where we want to expose people. And we have to fight as Christians. Please, ma'am, please, sir, fight the, uh, the, the tendency, the desire to expose. When we see sin, when we see wrong, our very first thought is to expose it. We want to bring it out. We want to tell everybody, oh, look at what this person is doing. Look at the wrong that this person is doing. We have a tendency to expose. But that is not, that is not a God tendency. That is, that is the, the tendency of the devil. The Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren. He, he very, uh, it, it literally means that when we were in our sin before Jesus died for us, that he would go to God daily and say, God, look at how ugly they are. Look at the sin. Oh, God, look at them. Look at them. He just, he would accuse us. He was trying to expose us. But that is not a God tendency. And as we love on people, we have to fight the tendency to expose. Love covers. And as you cover, as, as you love your loved ones, as you love people around you, people that are in sin, cover them. Don't expose them, cover them. Don't see how many people you can tell, you can tell about it, cover them. The God tendency is to cover. The Bible says that when Noah, after the, after the flood, the Bible says that Noah was in the, uh, Noah was in the tent and after, after the, the water had gone down and they had overcome all of that, Noah is in the tent. Noah gets drunk, the Bible says. He did wrong. Yes, Noah, even after all the good he did, he did wrong. And the Bible says that Noah was in the tent. Thank you, Jesus. And Noah was in the tent and he was drunk 
and naked. And the Bible says that one of his sons goes in and pulls the covering off him. He lets the other sons know that Noah, oh, our father's, our father's drunk and he's naked. And then the Bible says that the other son did a wise thing. The other son didn't expose him. The other son covered for him. The Bible says that he didn't go into the tent and expose Noah. The Bible literally says that if this was the tent and this is Noah laying in the tent, he picked up the covers and walked in backwards and threw it over Noah. And so he didn't expose Noah. He covered for him. And the Bible says that Noah cursed the one son and he blessed the other one. And I want you to know in, in, in seeking the very blessing of God, it is important that we cover people. Stop exposing. It is a very, uh, a very uh, terrible feeling to be exposed. No one wants to be exposed. Even right now, even if we got on the monitor, Chris has put up their radius. Why no? Right now, if God wanted to, he could put your business up there. If, 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 and there is no one in here, I promise you, there is nobody in here from this wall to the wall back there that wants God to put your business right up there on the screen for everybody to see it. Even though I'm saying that, I'm praying, God, please don't put my business up there. Please don't let it be me. Because we all, nobody wants to be exposed. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to be exposed. Please, Chris, turn it off. I don't want God to get tempted. I don't even want to, I don't even want to tempt him. Just turn it off. Is there, is there a button in the... But we, we live in a society. Now, see... Even with that little illustration, it is very clear, very obvious that nobody wants to be exposed. Nobody wants to feel that. Nobody wants everybody to see the thing that you're dealing with, maybe something that you're dealing with or that you've done. Nobody wants everybody to see that. And see, as much as we feel that way, why do we expose? Why are we so quick to expose? Why are we so quick to put someone on front street because of something that they've done wrong? The Bible says that God covers, love covers a multitude of sins. Not one, not two, a multitude. A multitude literally defined is between two and 5,000. Between two and 5,000 is the literal definition of a multitude that a multitude would fall somewhere between there. And so we're not talking about a couple of things. Love covered a multitude of sins. And so until he, see, sanctification is the act of being changed. But when you come to God, he just covers. That is why uh, many of you might notice, oh, you came to God and you're still struggling with lust. You gave your life to him. Oh, if you'll be honest, you'll, you'll say that. If you, you came to God, but you still are struggling with your temper. He didn't just change everything right away. See, love covers the multitude of sin. And so when you came to him, he put his covering over you. And he said to you, oh, I'll change you along the way. Right now, I'm just going to cover you, but walk with me. I'm going to cover you right now, but walk with me, and I'll change you along the way.
Love covers a multitude of sin. And so I want to move on from this point. But please, ma'am, please, sir, as we be the church and as we uh, try our best to live out being the church in the way that God wants us to, fight the urge to expose. As we come in contact with people's sin and people's wrong, cover, cover them. The Bible says that the merciful obtain mercy. You want somebody to cover for you. When you do wrong, when you do things you shouldn't do, you want somebody, trust me, you want someone to cover for you. And so we have to do the same thing. Point number two, uh, Boaz purchases what is lost. He purchases what is lost through, there was a famine in the land and Ruth and her husband, uh, I'm sorry, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they left Moab and uh, They left Bethlehem and went to Moab in that time. And so it was a famine. She lost her land. And so when they end up going back, uh, when they end up going back to Bethlehem from Moab, when they come back, she no longer has possession of her land. And so Boaz purchases what was lost. He purchased the land for them. And so in that way, he reflects Jesus. He points to Jesus. It was land, but he points to Jesus. He sets an example and uh, of Jesus because he purchases what was lost. And you have to know that Jesus, in dying for our sins, the Bible literally tells us that he pays the price. He pays the price. It is. It is something about. It is not just that. We lost our salvation. And Jesus, in loving us, he purchased what was lost. He didn't just get our salvation back. He purchased it. He didn't just go and steal it and give it to us. He purchased it and gave it to us. It is very important to know the Bible just doesn't say that he got it back. It lets us know that he bought it back. See, it doesn't carry the same amount of weight. Try being real romantic with your wife, uh, husbands, and say, hey, baby, look at this thing I stole for you. <laughs> oh, I loved you so much. I, look at what I went down to Best Buy, and, and I, I loved you so much. Look, look, but nobody was looking, and I, and I stole it for you. Put it on. <laughs> you might say, no, 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 no. You need to go and, 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 and redeem that some, uh, another way. And so, see, it's not that romantic. It doesn't mean that much because it takes no investment to steal. And so God, in loving us in the ultimate way, he purchased our righteousness. He paid the price. He paid the price. Our heavenly father paid the price. And so right then, when you hear price, a lot of us go straight to money. We go straight to money. And so, uh, because we think that it's all about money. We think that it's all about money. Uh, We think that money, if we just have money, that's just the answer to all problems. Money, money, money. We can just get money. That will be good. Uh, Some of you maybe even sitting here now thinking, oh, if I can just get a certain amount of money, that the difference between where your life is now and where it needs to be is a dollar amount. If you think that I, I, I pray for you, if you are under that belief that the difference between your life right now 
And where God wants it to be is a dollar amount. If you are thinking that, if you are under that assumption, I pray for you. Nothing could be further from the truth. When the Bible says he pays the price, that Jesus pays the price, by worldly standards, our heavenly father isn't a very good father. Because when we needed something bought, he doesn't use money. By, by earthly standards, by the standards of these days, by the standards of, of fathers and mothers in this day and time, our heavenly father is a terrible father because he didn't give us any money. He paid a, a different price. He paid a way more important price. And, and fathers and mothers, I want you to know the most valuable things that you can give your children, the best thing that you can give them, they don't cost money. They cost, but they don't cost money. And so as you try to provide a good Christmas, stop trying to equate a good, a, a good Christmas with a certain dollar amount. It is, yes, it is a slap in the face. Please, ma'am, please, sir, to think that as a, as a man or woman of God is a slap in the face to a Jesus who didn't spend any money on you. He didn't spend a dime on you. He didn't, not one peso did he spend on you. And so if you equate a good Christmas with a certain amount of money, that's a slap in the face to Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, well, I, I must not be that good of a, of a dad. I must not be that good of a, of a heavenly father because I, I, I didn't spend any money on you. And so as we look to give our children good things, it's, it, it is not about money. It is not about money. God, I, I, I want to tell you about God has an online store. God has a store. I'm not going to say an online store. God has a store. But before I even get into that, talk about God's store, I want you to know that in helping people, we have to pay. You cannot help people without paying a price. Okay? But that price has nothing to do with money. Now, it is true. You cannot help people without paying a price. But that price has nothing to do with money. God has an online, uh, God has a store, and in that store, uh, there, there are no radios. In God's store, follow me for a little bit. Uh, in God's store, there are no radios, there are no TVs, there are no flat screens, uh, there are no iPhones and those Samsung galaxies. And in and, and God's store, when you do business with God, in God's store, uh, we, we buy testimonies. We buy testimonies. And David said, I cannot. And, and you have to know that your testimony ultimately is an offering. That in having a testimony, that we offer it back to God. And David said this. He said, I cannot give to God what does not cost me anything. There was a time when he went to sacrifice to God. And, and the man knew that it was King David who wanted to sacrifice in his field. And he said to David, he said to David, let me just give it to you. And David said, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't let you give it to me. Let me pay you because I cannot give to God what does not cost me anything. And that is a very biblical principle that in having a testimony, 
in, in purchasing a testimony. We purchase uh, in God's store, testimonies are purchased. But see, they're not purchased with dollars and cents. Testimonies aren't purchased with pesos. Testimonies are purchased with tears. Tears and heartache. And in God's store, a testimony will cost you. A, yes, a testimony will cost you. And it's not, and this is not a cheap store. God's store is not a it's not a dollar store. Testimonies are expensive. A good testimony will uh, a saved marriage will run you between five hundred and six hundred tears. To be able to say that you've gone through that and God has saved your marriage and to be able to pass that along to someone else. A good, a saved marriage will run you. It'll run you five to seven hundred tears. A conquered addiction will, will, will run you, uh, I'll say between, and I have one, between four and eight hundred tears and some heartache too. To rebound from a divorce, also very, very costly. That's a couple of thousand right there uh, to rebound from a divorce. There's some of you in this room that have rebounded from the pain of that. That, that, that. that is very costly to be able to say that. And I, 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 I was very, it was very heavy on me this morning, even coming up here, because in some of the conversations I, I had with you guys over the year, I thought about how much our people have paid. There are so many people in this room who have paid so much to have a testimony in 2016. There are so many of you in this room that have, that have paid so much at God's, at God's store. You've paid so much to have peace in your house. Paid so much to have peace in your marriage. Paid so much, and, and there are some of you that paid so much to have peace in your house, to have a good family dynamic. You paid all that in God's store, but because you didn't spend a certain amount at Best Buy, you think you didn't give your kids anything. If you have peace in your house, then, then, then you paid. You paid. If you love the Lord in the presence of your family, you pay to do that. Boaz sets the example for us because he purchases what was lost. The other thing I want you to know is that he related to her. He was literally the way the laws were because Naomi's land was lost. He could not just as a random person go buy it back. Thank you, Jesus. He could not just, Boaz, as a random person, he could not as a random person buy the land back and say, here, Naomi, I bought your land back. Because of the way the laws were set up, he literally, to redeem her, to save her in that way, he had to be related to her. But thanks be unto God, and God had a master plan uh, uh, involved because he was related to them. Boaz was related to uh, Naomi's, the, the, the husband that had passed, his name was Elimelech. And so Boaz is related to Elimelech. And so through his relation to her, he is able to save her. Through his relation to her, 
because of his relation to her, he is able to save her. And so I want to, in that way, he points to Jesus. He points to Jesus. Number one, you have to know that Jesus was sitting up in heaven. He had never experienced pain. Jesus, the Son of God, sitting up in heaven on the right hand of the Father, he had never experienced hurt. He had never cried a tear. He had never had anything bad happen to him. He had never gone through trouble. And so as he sits up on the throne, he wants to help us and he wants to save us. But he has to come down. He knew that I can't save them from my throne. I can't stay up here, not experience pain, not experience hurt, never cry a tear, never go through anything. I can't sit up here on my pretty little throne and help them. And so he, he wraps himself in flesh. He takes on the body of a man because he knew that he had to become a man to help a man. He had to become like us to save us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 that he became sin that knew no sin. He didn't know, he didn't, he, he didn't know what sin felt like. He had never uh, been around it. And so the Bible says he became sin that knew no sin. Just to help us. He became sin that knew no sin, which, which makes me so thankful to him. That's why I don't need to be pepped up. I don't need a pep talk before praise and worship starts. All I have to do is think about how he became sin that knew no sin. All I have to do is run through, back through my mind and remember. That's why the Bible says, that's why we encourage you guys every single Sunday to take communion. Every single Sunday we put it up here. Jesus said, as often as you meet, do this. Not once a month, not every other week. Every time you meet, Jesus said, do this. Why? Because I want you to remember what I did for you. I want you to remember what I did for you. How? He doesn't say that about anything else. He doesn't say that about anything else. I want you to remember what I did for you. See, because when you, when you really pay a price for something, you want the person you did it for to remember. You want the person you did it for to remember. A couple of, uh, over Christmas, this whole thing, I bought Tessa a KitchenAid. Uh, ladies, I don't know why y'all aren't clapping already. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time. I bought Tessa a KitchenAid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Men, you might not know what I'm talking about. I thought, she told me she wanted a KitchenAid. She put it on her list. I thought it cost a couple of dollars. I was just like, yeah, I'll get it for you. You want a KitchenAid? <laughs> Fine. Yeah, baby, I'll get you a KitchenAid. Ain't no problem. I love you. Get you a little KitchenAid. Boy, I went online. KitchenAids are like testimonies. Okay? A KitchenAid is not cheap. <laughs> All right? But the bad thing about a KitchenAid is that it's expensive, but... It's expensive, but Best Buy wouldn't take my tears. <laughs> I, I, I was like, this, 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 I, I, I bought things with these tears. I, let me give you some tears. Let me give you some heartache. No, 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 you can't give that to them. 
but I want her to remember what I did for her. The devil is a lie if come February she forgot about it. <laughs> the devil's a lie. What in the world? Why did I do it? Why did I do it? If I knew, I can't, you know, I can't read the future. I can't see the future. I, I can't do that. But if I thought for a second, Jacob, that in February she would forget what I just did in December, I wouldn't even do it. I wouldn't even do it. Why? But I, I say that because there are those of us that have forgotten the price that Jesus paid for us. We come here and forget. The Bible says that his visage was marred more than any man. That simply means that he was beat beyond recognition. That his own mother, as she saw him on the cross, she didn't even recognize him. They had beat him up so bad. He was beat beyond recognition. He wants you to remember that. He wants you to remember that. And so we have to know that Jesus came down. He came down and took on sin and experienced these things just to relate to us. Because Jesus knew, I cannot help those I cannot relate to. And so for those of you, uh, you, you may have been living on your pretty little throne in life about 10 years ago. But in the last 10 years, in the last five years, in the last three years, uh, God has brought you off that throne and you've come down and experienced some stuff. And the reason that he has done that to you, I know you might think he's mad at you. I know you might think that he has it out for you. But he did it because you cannot help those you cannot relate to. And God will take you through things just to give you the ability to relate. Boaz had to be related. He had to be related. And as you uh, look to help others, we have to relate to them. We have to, your, your testimony, that is why the Bible says that the trying of your faith, Peter says, the testing of your faith is more valuable than gold or silver. To go through something and have a testimony, it is more valuable than gold or silver. To have that, it costs. The fourth thing I want you to know, the very last thing I want you to know in going here is that he was not obligated. That was part of the custom of that day and time. And that Boaz, in doing it, if he would have done it up under duress, it didn't count. If he would have done it with a gun to his head, it, wouldn't have, it, it, it would have been void. For him to do it and it count, he could not be obligated. That was law at that time. That was custom. He could not be obligated, which means that it just had to be an act of grace. He could not be obligated. It could not be a thing. And if they looked at the history of it and they saw that Boaz did it, but he was obligated to it, it would have been null and void. And so he could not be obligated. That was law. And so Boaz points to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, in helping us, he was not obligated. He was not obligated. He did not have to do it. The crazy thing about what he does, see, it's one thing for me to provide for Tessa and buy her a kitchen aid and do these things because I'm obligated to her to a certain degree. 
I'm obligated to her. I, have, I do have an obligation. Now, I love her. But on top of that, I do have an obligation to her. And so it is one thing for me to do that having an obligation. But the Bible says that Jesus had no obligation. He did not have to do it. He did not have to do it. He did not have to do it. And that is one thing. I, I say that over and over. He did not have to do it. And so that, when I think about it, I was thinking about it in the back. It brought me to tears as they were singing the praise and worship team. As they were singing, it brought me to tears because I was thinking, God, you didn't even have to do it. You saved me. You didn't have to do it. You died for my sins and you didn't have to do it. Nobody had a gun to your head. God didn't make Jesus come down. The Bible says that the lamb presented himself. He said, I'll go. Nobody said he had to go. There was, nobody, there was nobody that told him to go. Nobody made him go. And the crazy thing about it is, because of how much power he had, nobody could make him go. Nobody could. Nobody could. Nobody had the power to say, oh, you got to do it. Nobody had that type of power. There was no power like that anywhere in the universe. He went of his own accord. That the Lamb of God, oh, this brings me to, to, to joy. The Lamb of God gets up off of the throne. He comes down and says, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. They, 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 need, they need the price to be paid. I'll do it. They need sticks through the hands and the feet. I'll do it. They need someone to be beaten beyond recognition. I'll do it. And that's why I said before, nobody should have to pump you up to praise him. Nobody, we, shouldn't, we really shouldn't even need praise and worship up here to praise him. Just the very thought of what he did and remembering the price he prayed should drive you into a praise frenzy. Because he did not have to do it. And as we reflect him, as we reflect Christ, we need to do some things we don't have to do. Who are you helping that you don't have to help? I'm not talking about your family, your, your son, your daughter. Who are you a blessing to that you don't have to be? Who have you given to that you don't have to? Who have you gone out of the way for that you have no obligation to? This is what God wants from us. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings. Thank you for oh, God being so good to us. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. God, we love you so much that you, you were not obligated. We thank you for not being obligated. We thank you that you related to us. God, we love you so much for all that you've done. God, please, we ask that you bless these people. Many of them have paid so much in this calendar year. And God, we ask that you restore them from the things that they've paid. We thank you for giving us a testimony. And we love you. Bless this time. Bless this worship. In Jesus' name, amen.